and welcome to the Are You New Here podcast. This is a podcast of pop cultural literacy. I am the host who knows way too much about pop culture, and my sister, Stephanie, knows basically nothing. Yep. So today's show is going to be a little different in that I gave Stephanie an assignment, and then we are going to discuss her pop culture homework. But before we get to that, Stephanie, would you like to tell us the sponsor of this episode why yes i would erica the sponsor of this episode is 42 ah the answer to the question of life the universe and everything yes exactly i have started rereading the ultimate hitchhiker's guide i believe you might have given me the book there are five stories what is that like a a septology pentology pentology Could be. Don't know. But I am very much enjoying rereading this book about all kinds of crazy shenanigans during this time that we are living through that is made up of mostly crazy shenanigans. The fun kind of shenanigans as opposed to the scary kind of shenanigans. Indeed. Someone who basically lobotomizes themselves in order to do something good as opposed to someone just without brains. Like the Scarecrow, but Oranger. (laughs) Like the Scarecrow, but two heads. Yes. So anyway, 42 is the sponsor of this podcast episode. That is very exciting. Count Von Count would be very excited about that. One. Uh, uh, Which, in uh, fact, segues into uh, this uh, week's uh, topic. We're not going to go all the way up to 42. I mean, we can, but... And the people don't have time. So, fun fact. Yes. I didn't know that Count on Sesame Street was a vampire until I was like, I don't know, like 20. Wait, what? He's a vampire? I thought he was just like a Count. I don't know, like a Duke. No. But not a Duke, a Count. He's a vampire? Uh, he is. Why? But why? Yes, why? I mean, he's like a friendly vampire. He never actually sucks anyone's blood. He just counts things. And if you look very closely, he's got little Muppet fangs. I don't understand why he's a vampire at all. I mean, just, well, why are you a person? He just is. Okay, but I'm not a Muppet. I mean, I would like to be a Muppet, but I'm not. And I feel like there's no purpose. Speaking of Muppets, the, in... that's another segue into this week's topic. All right, fine. Let's just get to it. We can argue about the count later. You're just, Go se- for it. You're just teeing me up. Okay, segue number okay. one, vampires. <laughs> segue number two, Jermaine Clement, who wrote the music for the Jason Segel reboot movie, The Muppet. Because this episode's topic is what we do in the shadows. The FX FX television program. The TV show, not the movie. We will talk about the movie a little bit, I'm sure. We did something a little bit different for this episode, which is that I picked something that Stephanie had not seen, but I thought that she would like, although I wasn't 100% sure. And so I assigned her to watch the pilot episode of What We Do in the Shadows. And then I figured we would talk about it, how she liked it, and then maybe talk a little bit more about the show, divert into the movie. I'm sure I'm going to get pedantic. Stephanie, you watch what? Two and a half episodes, you said? I definitely watched two. I don't remember if I finished the third one. What? Although I suppose once we start talking with them, it may be clear how many I watched. Do you want to tell our listeners what this show is about for people who have never seen it, have never heard of it, don't know what a shadow is? <laughs> what we do in the shadows is a mockumentary 
in the style of Best in Show or This is Final Tap. And it follows a group of vampires who are, air quotes, living together. I guess they reside together. And so there are three of your traditional vampires. There is Nando the Relentless, and he is the leader he is from Eastern Europe or the Ottoman Empire, maybe. He's yeah. like, they're all super old. It's um, actually Nandor. Oh, Nandor. Okay, I'm sorry. But I was close. Then there is Laszlo. I have no idea where Laszlo is from. Laszlo has a girlfriend, Nadia. Is it Wife. Nadia? Wife. Oh, I didn't realize they were married. Okay. and Well, they cheat on each other a lot, so. Yeah, it's hard to tell. They reside in this house together. It's dark, it's dreary, it's exactly what you would expect. Nandor has a familiar, which I thought was reserved only for pirates and parakeets. Okay. Parrots. So parrots are not pirates familiars. (laughs) Parrots are not pirates familiars? No, familiars. So, I mean, vampires have familiars. Yes, they're humans that do their bidding. But also familiars generally are like witches. A witch will have like a cat as its familiar. What? All this time I thought that a parrot is a pirate's familiar. I never heard that. I thought they were just their pets. And I would know because I dressed as Toby's parrot for Halloween. Dear listener, we will find that out later. We will post-recording fact check that. Hello, this is Stephanie from the future, future, future. This is a fact check. According to Wikipedia, a familiar, also sometimes referred to as familiar spirits, were believed to be supernatural entities that would assist witches and other cunning folk in their practice of magic. There is no indication according to Wikipedia, that parrots were familiars to pirates. However, according to PirateShowCancun.com, on their blog post, The Truth Behind Pirate Pets, it is more likely that parrots were on pirate ships because they were part of a well-established business in the trade of exotic animals. Apparently, European royalty marveled at the parrot's ability to speak and imitate human voices. This has been a fact check. So anyway, Nandor's familiar is this guy, Guillermo, who is the most normal of the lot because he is a non-vampire. However, he really, really, really wants to be a vampire and has been living with these folks for, I think, a decade. So that's kind of weird. There's a fourth person who lives in the house. And what's his name? Colin Robinson. Right, Colin Robinson. And Colin Robinson is possibly the best character. He is an energy vampire. So he feeds off humans, but not in a physical blood sucking way basically they portray him as the guy at the office who talks to you so long and on such stupid shit that you basically just like give up and fall asleep and it's really really funny and eventually i guess in the second or third episode he meets an emotional vampire which is apparently different than an energy vampire so it's very clever play so those are the people who are involved we do meet early on a group that is guillermo's friends that is a larping group if you don't know what larping is please go see the dungeons and dragons episode with your friend and mine aaron and the joke about the larpers is that the vampires like to drink the blood of virgins and since guillermo is in a larping group he has a never-ending supply of virgins so well, that's an um, going joke point of clarification Oh, please. Yes. He joined the LARPing group 
to find the virgins. He's not actually into LARPing. He's just engaging in an activity where he thought there would be virgins for his master. Really? I feel like he would be into LARPing. I mean, he might, (laughs) but... (laughs) Okay. He knew about LARPing. That is fair. It could go either way. Well, it works out. Either way, whether he is enjoying the LARPing and or just found it for his master, who knows. Early on, we meet someone named the Baron. Is that right? Yes. And the Baron comes in his coffin, his, her, unclear, by sea, and essentially wakes up and asks this gang why they have not yet conquered the New World and wants to know who the, essentially, what is the name of this kingdom where these folks are living. And it turns out it's Staten Island. And that had me howling. I don't know why, but it was freaking hilarious. Because it's hilarious. So for, <laughs> for those of you who don't know much about New York, Staten Island is like the tushy. Yeah. It's like, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's worse than Jersey. Yes. And... <laughs> Our aunt and uncle have lived on Staten Island for over 30 years. We are very familiar with Staten Island. Basically, it's the part of New York City that people in every other borough want to make fun of, make fun of, forget about, or eject from the city entirely. It's very strange because it was built on a trash dump and it stinks. Although it's actually, they closed the dump, right? And then didn't they, the landfill, and then they reopened it after 9-11 because they needed a place for all of the debris. So it's both sad and gross. Anyway, so it's very funny that this is where they ended and that this is the place that they are supposed to be taking over and that these incompetent, uh, well, the Baron wants you to think they're incompetent. I'm not, not sure they were incompetent. I think they just weren't trying. It may be both. In any event, so that was very, very funny. So they decide that they are going to try to do what needs to be done and take over Staten Island. And that leads them to the borough council. And so they get involved in that sort of very, very small local politics type stuff and it goes on from there i do believe it is based on a movie but i only know that because erica told me so that's correct so the movie which came out in 2014 was co-written and co-directed by jermaine clement and taika waititi jermaine clement is one half of flight of the concords and Mm. taika waititi is a director who among other things directed thor ragnarok and makes a lot of funny movies. They both are also in the original movie, which was, they're both New Zealanders. And so the movie was set in New Zealand. And the TV show, while it has different vampires, is in the same shared universe, in that the characters from the movie are vampires that live in the same world as the characters from the TV show. And in fact, there is an episode where they show up. It's, well, that's cool. Yeah, it's not so much a remake as a continuation. So the same documentarians have now traveled from New Zealand to Staten Island. To, to, Staten. to document. The shtick. Yes, to document vampires in their natural habitat. You know, they're doing exciting, sexy things, but no, like they're having house meetings and they're like arguing over like eating half of a victim and then leaving them in the basement. 
and whether they're going to write their names in magic markers and the date of their food. <laughs> so what's funny is that right after I was watching these episodes, we played Among Us. And when we had an emergency meeting, it made me think of, I think, the first scene of the show was a house meeting. <laughs> yes, the house meetings are, are ridiculous. But it's, you know, like, even though they're vampires, it's the same stupid petty nonsense that everybody puts up with when they live with roommates. Or family members or basically anybody. Right. So to answer your question, I thought it was amusing. I will admit I'm not like itching to go watch more and I'm not sure it's for me. I didn't dislike it. Like I said, I'm not running to go watch more, but I think that if I was on a plane or some other circumstance, you know, I was with someone who wanted to watch it, I I would say, okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, it's a show that there is definitely continuity in that the stories aren't contained to each half hour episode. You know, each half hour episode is about something and there's a punchline, but there's definitely ongoing storylines. But I also think you could probably jump right in and watch an episode and not feel like you were super lost. If you saw that a season two episode was on, right? Like, I don't think that you would be like, oh, I can't watch this because I haven't seen the episodes that came before. And in particular, if you were going to pick just one episode out, I would definitely recommend season two's On the Run, which is the Jackie Daytona episode, which is, so it guest stars Mark Hamill as a vampire who shows up and complains to Laszlo that Laszlo skipped out on Rent, at some point in the, I don't know, like 1800s, he rented an apartment, <laughs> I think out in San Francisco from Mark Hamill's vampire. And then he like ran away and Mark Hamill has tracked him down. And it's like $20 or something. It's ridiculous. So Laszlo runs away and, <laughs> and he is hiding out as a human running a human bar where they serve human beer. <laughs> it's probably my favorite episode of the series now didn't you tell me there was also one where they have cameos from people who have played vampires in other things yes so the main cast the main vampires get in trouble with the vampire council and so that's the episode where the vampires from the movie show up as the characters from the movie the new zealand vampires but also they have all these other guest stars and they're very famous guest stars and they are all celebrities who have played vampires in other pop culture but instead of them playing the vampires that they played they're playing themselves as vampires so for example evan rachel wood who played a vampire in true blood she's not playing the true blood vampire she's just playing evan as a vampire and <laughs> it's very funny. And is the idea that they they weren't acting? That they yeah, that they just the... really are vampires. Okay. Interesting. Yes. And that it's a great way to hide out like, oh, I am an actor. I will pretend to be a vampire. No, I definitely am not really a vampire. <laughs> so there's an episode in season two called Brain Scramblies. It starts out where they go to their neighbors what they think is a superb owl party. <laughs> I like it already. Yes. And so they <laughs> they th that's like a you know what that's like? That's like anal bum covers. Exactly. So they think that the neighbor has figured out that they're vampires, <laughs> but of course he hasn't, and they just tell him, and then they're like, oh crap. <laughs> Like, while they're trying to... But he doesn't buy it, does he? That they're vampires? Yeah. Well, they, they levitate. They're in the basement, and they oh. levitate, and their head's like, it's you. 
That's really funny. I will tell you, I know you like Colin Robinson, and Colin Robinson is great, but my favorite is Matt Berry as Laszlo. And my favorite thing about him is, so these vampires can turn into bats, like traditional bats, vampires. Right. And they say things like, uh, they're on a bus, uh, like a city bus going to this council meeting, and they're like, ugh. Why are we on a bus when we could just fly? And, and and they're so annoyed with Colin that they turn into bats and then they just sit on top of the bus. <laughs> so there are some funny bits, yeah. you so, know? So my favorite bat bit is every time Laszlo turns into a bat, before he changes, he screams, BAT! Oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> for no particular I reason. I mean, there is, I think the episode after you stopped, there's an animal control episode where one of them as a bat gets caught by animal control. That's funny, but that doesn't explain why he yells uh, back. Because it's hilarious. Right, well, yes, of course, yes. So that's why you like Laszlo? Yes, I mean, he's funny, but that is my favorite thing about Laszlo. Yes. So do you think that it's something that's worth sticking with or is it like okay well it's cute and if you like it great and if you don't fine whatever I think that season one is good and a lot of people liked season one I think season two is better and funnier and season two got nominated for a lot of Emmys so a lot of people agree with that it's starting to get some mainstream recognition which is you know not always the case for shows about vampires full confession here this is a show that is a comedy and that lots of people who aren't just vampire people like, but I am a little bit obsessed <laughs> vampire with people. vampires. Yes. No. So, Listeners, this is something that is important to It know. is very important. Erica loves vampires of any shape, size, sparkly, non-sparkly, anything. Okay. So, you know, on Buffy, not on Buffy, on Angel, basically anything that is vampire related, she loves. Oh, a sidebar. I have this memory of going to the movies and seeing Leslie Nielsen as a vampire. Was that a thing that happened? The movie is called Dracula Dead and Loving It, and it is a Mel Brooks movie. <laughs> ah, see? I didn't even make that up. Did we go see it together? I'm sure we did at the Comac Multiplex. Uh, yes, shout out to the Comac Multiplex. Woohoo! Yeah, sad. It's gone. Isn't there like a Walmart? Now um, there? it there it now. is. That's not where the Costco is. I think it's a Target. Yeah, something like it's that. Really sad. So Erica likes all things vampire. Yes. Please defend yourself. Uh, I mean, I can't. I, I believe it started with, with <laughs> Buffy. Buffy was one of those seminal shows for me, right? Everybody has their pop culture. Well, people who are into pop culture anyway. And they're like seminal pop culture moments. Star Wars is one, obviously. We've talked about that. Buffy is another one. And I don't think I'm alone. It's obviously a bit generational, but lots of people have Buffy as one of their pop culture touchstones. And I've loved vampires ever since. And possibly before that and after that. I don't like super scary vampire movies, but vampires are more like sexy and cuddly now than they are scary in most pop culture things these days. And I do read the occasional vampire romance novel because who doesn't really? Me, me. I, 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 I don't. <laughs> I am not that into vampires. Well, I guess maybe I should before I say that. What is it about vampires that you like? Because I don't get it. Well, 
if you don't want to die, it's kind of nice to think about being immortal. That's fun. But you could be immortal without being a vampire. I mean, right. you could. That is true. But it is one of the faster ways to become immortal. Okay. All right. I guess. They're supernatural creatures, but they're strong. They're fast. They're often sexy. They're sometimes they sparkle. Usually they don't. Oh, Twilight is terrible, by the way. I don't want you to think I like Twilight. But you did read it and see the So movies. I read all the books. I only saw the first movie in the theaters. In the well, theaters. I had nothing better to do. I really don't like that girl. I have never liked Kristen her. Kristen Stewart? Yes. I like her a lot better since Twilight. In Twilight, she just spends like five movies looking constipated, which is problematic. I just don't like her. But I have been to Forks. It is a real place. It is place. a real place. You would think that Stephanie yeah. Meyer, Stephanie who can't spell. Yes, important. Note. Made that up. But no, Forks, Washington, real place. And not only is it real, but at least when I was there, which was quite some time ago now, they really have embraced it. And I mean, it was even many years after the movie and you could take tours and there's all kinds of Twilight stuff for purchase. And so I say, you know, hey, good for Forks. Yes, Cash but in. there's nothing else happening I feel happening bad there. for the neighboring town of Spoons. <laughs> but I'm bummed. Yeah, I'm hilarious. You should be on the stage. There's one leaving in about five minutes. Okay, so you like vampires because they live forever and they're sexy. And I don't know. I just like vampires. It's, it's hard to say why. I went through a very serious urban fantasy reading period for a while where that's kind of all I read. What is urban fantasy? So urban fantasy? fantasy is, I mean, people will argue about it, whether it really needs to be set in a big city or if it's just contemporary fantasy with supernatural elements. So urban fantasy would be like, I live in Chicago and I'm a wizard or I live in Cincinnati and I'm a witch. And the difference between urban fantasy and paranormal romance is basically... <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> So urban fantasy tends to be more story driven. So the plots are more, you know, mystery or action, whereas paranormal romance are more the romance is is the main driver of the plot. But there's a fine line between those two genres. And I have read them both, as you would expect. I still read uh, quite a bit of urban fantasy, not as much as I used to, but at one point I was reading so much that on my book tracking spreadsheet, where I track all the books that I read, which is now actually a book tracking database, I have a yes or no column for whether there are vampires in the story, because (laughs) I totally do. I will email it to you. No, not really. How about a screenshot? I will make a screenshot for the Twitter of the vampire column of my book spreadsheet, because that is a real thing because I was starting to worry I was reading so many books with vampires that I felt like I had to to track it to make sure that you know occasionally I read books about people who were I don't know alive wait why is that important you're I mean you're reading for pleasure I mean I am reading for pleasure but I was starting to get a little worried too much vampire Uh, oh I would not have thought that there was I mean when we were younger and and I used to uh, describe the plots of Buffy like I had been there there was some concern that I thought vampires were real I did not no 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 no. that was not the concern The concern was that we thought you thought the characters were your real friends. No, I had real friends. I don't know why you thought that. (laughs) Yes. I don't know, but you would talk about them like they were real people. You would be like, okay, so Spike, blah, blah, blah. And mommy and I would be like, oh my God, shut up. (laughs) 
So maybe maybe I was just um, an energy vampire and you didn't know it. No, I would have known it. So kind listener, something else that you need to know about my sister Erica is that not only is she brilliant and obviously knows everything about pop culture, but she is a little bit obsessive and has spreadsheets, I guess now databases, of books that she has read, movies she has seen, shows, I presume, that you've seen. I mean, pretty much anything that is trackable, you track. Is that Not everything, but many things, yes. And I've been tracking the books I've read. My spreadsheet goes back to 2007. I've put it in a database. For some reason, I highly normalized it. I don't know why. And I am currently building a front-end website with APIs to connect back to the database. It's so sort of working. Why, 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 why? So that it's that? searchable. Ah, why, why are you doing that? Because it's fun. I like to write code. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because okay. I'm just checking. Because so I'm a dork. It's fun. I would love to see some visualizations on some of that stuff, like trends over time well, and like where you were in your life. I feel like you could do some cool Yes, and that's stuff. why I'm putting it in a database and writing things so that I could get the data out and, and get it to a front end like that so I could build visualizations. That's very cool. It has no practical purpose whatsoever. Zero. Absolutely not. Zero. Yes. But pretty fun. I mean, I would check it out. You had done like a recommendation project, right? Book recommender, yeah. I've built those, yeah. I wonder if you could do that based on this database. I think you should do one by like, are you a 30-year-old uh, urbanite with a dog? <laughs> are you in grad school? Are... We could just like base it on various different points of your life. I think it would be very, very boring and no one would care, but I think that might be fun. Yes. What I was reading when I was in grad school, what I was reading when I was 35 and living in Brooklyn. Exactly. I don't know. I feel like there's something there. It may be something bad. But, but I feel see, like now there. by by putting this in a database and, and being able to get the data out, I can make a pie chart of vampires and non-vampires. Yes, I we're going to need vampire that. Vampire percentage just, pie just, chart. Yes, a vampire percentage pie chart. Definitely. What else should we say about what we do in the shadows? I like this show a lot. I think it's very funny. And it's a half hour comedy. There are, I think, in the two seasons, there are maybe 20 episodes total. I'm surprised. I would have thought there would have been there would have been more because they're so they short. are short, but it's it's on FX and the trend for cable is certainly to have shorter seasons. And really, why is that the trend? That way they can have higher budgets. In the age of prestige TV, right, there's lots of limited series, which actually end up not being limited series, and they do a second season, and they're like, we lied, it wasn't really limited series. And then I think it's also budgetary, right? So if you film 10 episodes instead of 20 or 22 episodes, you can spend the same budget, and you can can have twice the amount of money for uh, fake blood and bat CGI. I will say I'm not a fan of the fake blood. I feel like it's very unnecessary. They often show them with, like, they just ate and so there's blood all over their mouths and I just feel like you know I eat and I'm messy but every time I eat I don't have food around my face look they're vampires it's part of the shtick did you get to the episode yet where the baron eats pizza they can't eat they can drink blood but they can't eat solid food so the baron decides he's in New York and he wants to try New York pizza so he eats it (laughs) And then he projectile vomits. And, he, and he's like, it's not actually so much projectile vomiting as like, you know, those those videos where people like sit in a rolling chair and they shoot a fire extinguisher off and they go zooming in the other direction. It's like that. Yes. Yes. And then he's like, totally worth it. And he takes another bite. It's gross. But also 
really funny. It's not gory. No, 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 no. It's not gory. They never show them eating, at least not in any of the episodes that I had watched. They don't show anything like that. Should we talk about some other mockumentaries? Do you have any understanding of the history of the mockumentary type of genre? Movie-wise, I believe Spinal Tap was really what pioneered. Was that the first one? I think it might really been the first movie one, but on television, the TV mockumentary was pioneered by The Office. I'm not sure the British version uses the mockumentary format. Really? Oh, that's interesting. But I'm not entirely sure because I haven't actually seen it. I have to admit, I'm not an, office, not an person. office person. I mean, yeah. well, I work from home now, but <laughs> I never really was into The Office. I actually do like Steve Carell. You know, it was like enough, right? That was the thing about that show. The whole thing was just like, okay, I get it enough. I am not a huge Ricky Gervais fan. I'm not inclined to go back and watch the British version. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate him, but I'm not big into him. We watched that movie that he was in, The Invention of Lying, with Jennifer Garner. And it was just stupid. Because it was like, people couldn't lie. And so they were just mean to you all the time. Not talking is different than lying. Yes, that is that is true. I don't know. I feel like I saw a movie with Ricky Gervais where he was like a dentist and Jenna Elfman was dead. Did I make that movie up? I have no idea. He doesn't have good teeth. Was that like part of the joke? It's possible I made this movie up. If only there was a way to find oh, it. Oh, I'm, I'm looking it up. I want to know if this is a real movie or if I hallucinated it. Here's the invention of lying. That wasn't it. I couldn't have made that up. There's no way you made that up. Well, in any event, so do we know, we don't know if the British office was mockumentary. Oh, Ghost Town. I think this is it. Let's see. Ghost Town. <laughs> this movie... Also starred Greg Kinnear. You know what Jenna Elfman movie I liked? Keeping the Faith. Or Keep the Faith? The one where a rabbi and a priest oh, walk the, into a bar. Oh, with Ed Burns? Yeah. And the guy from Zoolander. Oh my God, what is his name? Ben Stiller? Yes, he was the yes, rabbi, ben right? Stiller. And Ed Burns was the priest. Yeah, they were okay, best friends. Okay, apparently the UK, right. so I'm totally wrong. Let's rewind. So yes, The Office was the start of the television mockumentary. But yes, the British office used the mockumentary format. But obviously Spinal Tap was way before that. So was Spinal Tap the first mockumentary program? And relatedly, how many people did not know it was? So hopefully not that many. That's the second question. And the first one, I do think Spinal Tap was the first mockumentary. It's a really clever idea. Yes. It buys you like all kinds of license. You could have people just like explain shit into the camera. It seems like there's a lot of stuff you could do with it that you couldn't do otherwise. According to Wikipedia, early examples yes. include the 1933 Land Without Bread, Orson Welles' 1938 radio broadcast of the war of the worlds which i have to say i would not classify as a mockumentary i don't think that's really what they mean by that that yes people a lot of people were confused by that but i generally think of it as a spoof and war of the worlds was not a spoof i question wikipedia's use of the term <laughs> here right because a spoof is just a takeoff on something Right. And War of the Worlds wasn't a documentary, but it also wasn't a spoof. I'm going to say yeah, Wikipedia. I, I give you like two thumbs down, whatever, Wikipedia. So Spinal Tap was in 1984. And well, it may not have been the earliest example. 
I assume that was Lend Without Bread, whatever the heck that is. I think it definitely made the genre famous and had a lot of copycats. And of course, Christopher Guest's other films like Waiting for Government and Best in Show are all which were yes. awesome. The only one that I did not love was the Mighty Wind, yeah, the, the, the country music one. Oh, folk not music. country music, oh, okay. folk music. Um, yeah, I, I like that's a joke. We met in Starbucks. No, not the same Starbucks. But not the same Starbucks. <laughs> the group of people who were involved in those projects is just amazing. There wouldn't have been a Shit's Creek if it wasn't for yeah, those, I mean, right? I, I, mean, I feel like Eugene Levy was doing other things, but yes, they certainly made him far more famous than he was. Well, and also working so closely with, Kath- yeah. is it Catherine O'Hara? Their chemistry on Schitt's Creek is right, and because one of the they best parts so of that show. Together. She's great on her own as well. CF, Beetlejuice, where she plays Delia, which is awesome. And also, he's very funny on his own. He played the father in the American Pie movies. I, I thought funny. he was funny in those movies. I wouldn't say that they're like my favorite thing ever. Do you know what's weird? So since I've been re-watching Scrubs, apparently yes. Tara Reid yeah. was on Did, Scrubs she played for Jordan's a while. Sister? She did play Jordan's sister, which is really weird they because nothing Jordan alike. is like yeah. tall. There's just nothing there that would make you think that these two right. people it's are Right, it's not like on uh, Friends so where they, they but, had Rachel's sisters played by just sort of a parade of famous blonde actresses because they're like, she's blonde. We'll just have other blonde actresses come up. At least that sort of makes sense on it's easier to match a pretty blonde to other pretty blonde actresses than Krista Miller who played Jordan on Scrubs has like a very specific look like she I mean she's thin obviously and she's very pretty but she's a very different body type in that she's tall and muscular and Tara Reid is not a good actress a and b god I forgot how skinny she was i mean she's just barely there and it's well she made a she made a brief comeback in the sharknado movies then she was eaten by a shark i don't know that's true i was listening to i think it was maybe how did this get made and they were talking about sharknado and they were talking about the part where ian zeering intentionally gets swallowed by a shark while he's holding a chainsaw and then like chainsaws his way out and it just (laughs) conveniently is the same shark that had five minutes earlier swallowed one of the other main characters in the movie and then they, he saves that character too because that seems totally reasonable sure. i mean they just yeah. kind of did that in the season premiere of the mandalorian where they tricked a giant sand worm thing into eating a bantha covered in explosives as one does and then mando flew out with his jetpack and hit the button and poof, from the inside of the stomach. That's, that's, sure. just, that's just what happens, right? You get the bad guy to swallow you and a weapon, and then you burst your way out. I feel like there's a Bible story so I about think that it's, um, somewhere. It's the Jonas Brothers Jonah in the and Whale. The whale. <laughs> Stephanie from the future here. Man, we are really good at getting distracted. What were we talking about again? Oh, right. What we do in the shadows. We did eventually get back to the topic, even if it took a while. Well, let me ask you a question. How do these vampires compare with other rules of vampires, right? Because this is one of the things in sci-fi and fantasy that always gets me. There are rules, and sometimes the rules apply, and sometimes they don't, and it's hard to know. It's all made up. You know, and this is true in general about supernatural things. Vampires are myths, they're legends. There are stories about them, and so there are traditional things that are true about vampires. Vampires have been around for a long time. 
the theory is that vampirism was something that people came up with to explain hemophilia. That is one theory. Mm, that's um, interesting. Also to explain vampire. No, just kidding. That's one theory. Um, <laughs> often these myths come from having to explain something or trying to make sense of the world. Sometimes it's just a story to make people feel better, like Santa Claus. Oh, sorry, spoiler kids, Santa Claus isn't real. Sometimes it is something like, okay, well, we don't understand hemophilia because we don't understand science because it's the 1500s or whatever. So people who are weak and anemic, they must be vampires, they need to suck blood to live. That's where a lot of these legends come from. There's also sometimes truth to it. Vlad Tepes was a real person. Vlad the Impaler. Who? Count Dracula. But- oh. He wasn't really a vampire. Ah. Well, I mean, I wasn't Says there, you. But. And speaking of Dracula, a lot of what we know today as what's become codified as signifying vampires, so the can't go out in the sunlight, crosses burn them, fake through the heart, garlic in the mouth, those things come from Dracula. Bram mm-hmm. Stoker took these legends, these folk tales, and wrote a story about them. And that's a lot of what we know. So there's that. But then, you know, when you're a creator, you have the creative license to kind of decide, okay, I'm going to take everything that I've heard and read about vampires, and then I'm going to make my own rules, right? So if you're, say, Stephanie Meyer, you make vampires sparkly. That's your thing. Don't know why you would pick that, but sure. Yeah, whatever. Why not? Apparently yeah. it worked so, out. So, you know, you can, so. you can pick and choose. I would say that the vampires and what we do in the shadows are fairly traditional as far as vampire lore goes in that they will burst into flame in sunlight. You know, they sleep during the day and they're only up at night. They turn into bats, which is a pretty traditional thing. They suck blood, obviously. They're pretty run-of-the-mill vampires. I don't think the point of either the movie or the show is let's be creative and come up with, you know, our own spin on vampires. I think the point is, wouldn't it be funny if vampires were just living in an ordinary setting, squabbling about, you know, who's going to clean the bathroom? They wanted to make vampire, they wanted to make the vampires recognizable. You look at these people and you go, oh, they're vampires. They live in a dark, dusty house. They wear capes. Mm -hmm. They have accents that sound vaguely Eastern European. Right. Well, except for for Laszlo, who just has a British accent, because I guess Matt Berry can't or didn't want to do an accent. Currently in the sexy vampire period, right? Because there was the, ooh, vampires are scary. And then it went from like, ooh, vampires are scary to like, ooh, vampires are sexy. Around the whole interview with vampire time. And of course, vampires were sexy on Buffy. And, you know, so now it's more vampires are sexy. So it's, wouldn't it be funny if they were just boring? Exactly. Wasn't there also True Blood? True Blood is based on a book series by Charlene Harris, the Suki Stackhouse series. And the TV show was much more like, sexy people have sex in the books whatever but it's not like super sexy vampires in the books and the series really leaned into the whole like ooh, we're sexy vampires and i was like yeah i'm not super into this is it because like that was just like the thing of the the moment i mean you know the books are like in the first book it, it is very much about ordinary girl suki starting to date this vampire bill, you know, so it is about the relationship. Anywho, don't watch True Blood. You will not like it. I did not like it. And I like vampires. I did, however, read all like 20 or whatever books in that True series. Blood. And I felt very like, eh, about that series. But I read all the books because I don't know. Do you ever give up on Rarely books? in a book, although more than I used to, which is to say like once every two years, whereas it used to be never. I will give up on series sometimes now, although I used to not do that, like the Suki Stackhouse books, where I was just like, I don't really like these that much. 
I mean, I read like 22 of them, but yeah, there is just so much less time for people who like vampires. Can you give us your top five vampire things, even if what we do in the shadows? Sure. I mean, I would say what we do in the shadows is on the list. It always makes me laugh. I really enjoy it. I think it's a fun time. I look forward to watching it when there are new episodes on. So I would say that's certainly in my current top five. Is that the show? I I like the movie very much as well. But, you know, once you watch the movie, you've seen the movie. There's new episodes of the show. It has been renewed for a third season. So there will be more new episodes. Yay. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, obviously. The TV show. What about the movie? The movie had um, Luke yes, and uh, Pee Wee Herman. Luke Perry. Yes. He, he lost, lost an arm. Yes. Miss, was he missing a hand or something? Not in real life, just in the movie. Can I go to Bucks? Okay. Yeah, you can do whatever so, you want. It says vampire stuff. I really like this urban fantasy series, The Hollows, by Kim Harrison. The main character is a witch, but her roommate and best friend is a vampire. I read many, <laughs> many books in this paranormal romance series by an author named Lindsay Sands, but I got tired of them around book 25 because they were all basically the same. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more. Wow, uh, Vampire falls in love with non-vampire, has to explain what vampiring is to them. At some point, non-vampire turns into vampire they fall in love get married have little vampire babies only because it's romance and so in romance you have to have little babies even if they're vampire the end in this series they have little um nanites that are in their blood to keep them healthy but it keeps them a little too healthy and so they have to keep replenishing the blood but they're alive that's why they can have babies anywho if you want to read many 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 books that are all basically the same but amusing those are good Number five, the Broadway musical Dance of the Vampire, starring Michael Crawford. And I will (laughs) put a link on Twitter to this great article in Vulture about why that was an epic, epic failure. This show basically closed an intermission. And we we saw it in previews. I don't even think it made its opening night. It was terrible. Funny enough, I actually don't remember a whole bunch about it other than it being yes, terrible. It was it was very bad. I'm sure that play bill is worth a lot of money though. Okay, so compare the disaster that was that show to the disaster that was so, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Nobody so. was injured during Dance of the Vampire. Yeah, people were physically well, injured. I mean, not physically. From the stunt. I didn't actually see Spider-Man turn off the dark because it got such terrible views and it closed before I could actually make it there. So I I can't compare it to that, although I did see It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman, which is another superhero slash comic book musical. There just aren't enough of those in general. There's a reason there are not enough of those. I mean, what is enough, really? More than two. I think that's enough. So those are your top five vampire-related things for people who like vampires. Obviously, the last one was, was a joke because A, it was terrible, and B, you cannot get it. So, vampires are awesome. To wrap up, What We Do in the Shadows is a funny show that you can enjoy even if you do not like vampires. If you only watch one episode of What We Do in the Shadows, I recommend season two's On the Run, guest starring Mark Hamill. See if you like that episode, and if you don't, I I would say that if you don't like that episode, (laughs) you probably aren't going to like much of this podcast, because that is very much an episode made for me. Also, oh, there is a season two episode where Colin Robinson is trolled online by an actual troll. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Did you just spoil that for everybody? I'll cut that part so it's not a spoiler. 
Thanks for listening. Vampires are awesome. Also, if you're not sure you like vampires, but you like funny things, I do recommend Taika Waititi's other work. Go see Thor Ragnarok. You probably don't need to have seen the 20 or whatever MCU movies that came before it. Don't watch Jojo Rabbit and think it's going to be a comedy, though. It's about the Holocaust. Spoiler alert. I mean, it's a good movie. It's just about the Holocaust. If you liked what we do in the shadows and you want to see more of Jermaine Clement, I highly recommend Flight of the Concords, which he is one half of. Or you can listen to his music in The Muppets, the Jason Siegel Muppet movie, where he wrote such music as Man or a Muppet. That's a great song. Am I a man or am I a Muppet? So, thank you for listening, and maybe we will do a Muppet episode, or a Flight of the Concords episode, or a both of those things episode. We have two special guests in the pipeline. One of our special guests is going to be talking about a very exciting 90s nostalgia television program, which should be fun for all of you people who were watching the WB back in the day before it was the CW. And then our other guest is going to be talking about a classic 80s sitcom, correct? That is correct. Yes, she will not be talking about the spinoff. I'm sure we will get into that anyway, though. Things to look forward to. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Are You New Here podcast. As always, you can find us on Anchor at anchor.fm slash r-u-new-here. And you can listen to us on Spotify, on Overcast, on Pocket Cast, on Rainbowcast. I made that last one up. Really, <laughs> many, many places. Which if you are part. listening and you were still listening, listening and you have comments for us or you want to tell us what your favorite or least favorite vampires are or you read 25 Lindsay Sands books and you want to tell me about them go ahead and find us on twitter at new here underscore pod we do occasionally tweet actually fairly occasionally and we do check it and so if you have comments questions ideas for future episodes you can hit us up on twitter you can also go to our anchor page and leave us a voice message and maybe we'll give you a shout out on the show that wraps us up this podcast was produced and hosted by erica with me as always is my co-host stephanie podcast was edited by one of us tbd our unpaid pirate intern is toby who has spent this entire episode sleeping which was very nice not very useful though i have to say if you like our podcast be sure to subscribe on your podcast streamer of choice so you never miss an episode and tell all your friends that there's this awesome podcast that they just have to listen to thank you for listening and until then have a nerdy day 